Hi, I'm Ashwarya, the producer of Rumors. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Your love and support means a lot and has taken Rumors to new heights. I'm the head of originals at Bound. In addition to our own hit podcasts, we also help brands and storytellers create high-quality, knowledgeable, and stellar podcasts with our end-to-end podcast and video production services. So if you want to get started on your podcasting journey or even analyze if a podcast is the right step for you, reach out to me at aishwarya at boundindia.com. That's A-I-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A at boundindia.com. Or you can reach out to us at Bound India on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Bound. This show is made for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to outrage, insult, defame, or hurt any religion or religious sentiments, beliefs, feelings of any person, entity, class, or community. and does not encourage or propagate any superstition black magic and or witchcraft listeners should exercise their discretion what comes to mind when you hear the word bhoot ghost stories hauntings dead people refusing to move on right but in some areas along the southwestern coast of india the word bhoota carries a different meaning here the bhutas are deities who protect the land and communicate with its people but how exactly do these bhutas communicate through ouija boards tapping on the walls cold winds on the back of your neck no the bhutas communicate through the medium of dance let's dive into bhutakola This is Rumors. I am Chandrama Das. Join me as I shine a light on the darkest corners of India, where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories. As night falls upon a coastal village in Tulunadu, a crowd gathers in the village square under a tall flag. Food and game stalls, in the manner of small village fairs, dot the area. Through the early part of the evening, events such as cockfights, football, and betting games take place on the sidelines. There's noise, music, and food, and finally, the villagers are ready for the main event of the night. the annual bhutakola there's no elevated stage here the kola ritual takes place at the same level as the audience including them as part of the proceedings colorful flowers and palm fronds decorate the main arena offerings are placed on banana leaves tiny electric lights and a few torches blazing with fire 
beat back the darkness, while the scent of incense and smoke fills everyone's nostrils. The Bhandara or deity is placed on one side of the arena. A short, stocky man approaches it with reverence and begins to beat a drum. He recites the Pardana or narrative of this deity to the hypnotic beat. He speaks of its origin story, historic deeds and characteristics. The man twitches and convulses at regular intervals but continues with his song. The observing crowd nods knowingly. These convulsions are the early signs of spirit possession. After the song or pardana is complete, the man's family members help him adorn his face and body with makeup. He then puts on the costume and jewelry of the deity as women from his clan surround him and sing devotional songs. He is now a dancer, a performer erupting in colors. Then the dance begins. The dancer picks up a pair of anklets and moves to the beats provided by live musicians. Then he wears the anklets. A piri or a costume of palm fronds is wrapped around his waist. The dancer continues, his steps gaining pace. His arms and legs flail in perfect sync to the beat, the palm fronds around his waist bouncing in waves. His dance gathers energy, more vigor, more expression. And then his face changes. His eyes and expressions take on a vitality rarely seen in humans. His movements take on a primordial rhythm. He is no longer himself. A bhuta has descended into him. Convulsing in this thrum of energy, the dancer stands before the deity. The audience showers him with rice. They offer prayers to the bhuta in him. The bhuta turns and addresses the devotees. Why have they called him? Why has he been invoked? The devotees placate the bhuta, asking him for his blessings and protection. They ask for a good crop that year and prosperity for the community. The performer extends his hands, asking for burning torches to be handed to him. Men of his family quickly pass him a few lit torches. He then performs a dance with fire. He even brings one torch close to his chest. Miraculously, the fire doesn't burn him. Finally, he dons an enormous headgear and mask. A state of complete trance envelops the dancer. If it was even possible, the tempo of the music increases. The performer takes a sword and brandishes it in the air. The crowd looks on, agape. The dancer's transformation into the bhuta is complete. The crowd approaches him and seeks his blessings one by one. They ask for advice and engage in dialogue with the Bhuta, who is being channeled by the performer. Some people bring forward family and land disputes, asking for justice to be delivered. The Bhuta gives his verdict and settles these. Unlike the government's courts, the Bhuta's decisions are final, with no provision for appeal. Slowly, 
The sky brightens with the first rays of sunlight. Night bleeds into dawn. The kola or play for this bhuta is now complete. Bhuta kola is also known as bhuta nema or daiva aradhane. This spirit worship ritual is celebrated by Tulu speaking people along the western coast of India. In Tulu, bhuta literally translates to spirit. Tulu speakers come from the culturally contiguous areas of Dakshina Kannada and Udupi districts of Karnataka and Kasaragod district in Kerala. Those who are not familiar with the local culture may misinterpret the bhutas of Tulunadu as demons. But the people of the region recognize them as generous deities or at least deities who can be kind if appeased in the right manner these deities may not be known in the rest of india but here they are worshiped across classes castes and even religions many muslims and christians of the region are also believers in the bhutas and come to offer their respects during the annual rituals Bhutakola is not performed throughout the year. Most bhutas or daivas are invoked only once a year during specific occasions. But there are many daivas to be called, and so Bhutakola has a season which begins in November and continues till the end of May, just before the monsoons arrive. So where did the bhutas or daivas come from? Were they always around? The Pardanas or oral narratives of the Tulus hold some answers. The origin stories of many deities describe them traveling the length and breadth of the coastal and adjacent regions looking for places to settle. They either came of their own will or because an authority figure invited them. These myths describe some deities sneaking inside empty oil containers or water pots to travel or even hitching a ride on an unwitting human's cane umbrella others arrived in a more regal style on large ships accompanied by a retinue of followers once a favorable home is found the deity settles down people offer daivas their faith and in turn the daiva protects the people of the region The underlying belief is that the land belongs to the deities who have merely left it in the custody of the local chief known as the raja. As the deity's representative, it is the raja's duty to be an ideal king. He is to maintain justice and order in the land under his care and worship the deity periodically. The deity blesses the land and its people with prosperity. But if needed, The deity can also offer guidance and ask the raja to correct his errant ways as shown in the recent Kannada film Kanthara. The origin stories of specific daivas are very interesting and offer many insights. But since one podcast episode cannot cover all of them, let's begin with stories of the two daivas depicted in the movie. The first daiva is Panjurli, the spirit of a wild boar. According to one legend, 
Panjurli trampled down a grove of bananas that belonged to the goddess Parvati. So she angrily cursed him to be born on earth and learn a better use of his destructive abilities by protecting humans. Another version of the Pardanas say that goddess Parvati had kept a young wild boar as her pet. She loved it dearly, like a mother. Naturally, the young boar grew to be quite naughty and spoiled. One day, it went on a rampage and destroyed the gardens in Kailash, Lord Shiva's abode. Seeing his gardens destroyed, Shiva was so overcome with rage that he killed the wild boar. But his anger came with consequences. Upon losing her favorite pet, his wife Parvati became very upset. To pacify her, Shiva brought the boar back to life as a spirit and sent it to earth to protect humans. These stories illustrate Panjurli's power, but also his tendency to be destructive. Just as he trampled Shiva's sacred grove, he can unleash illness and calamities upon the region he inhabits. During Panjurli's kola, Parvati dances along with him and the dancer channeling Panjurli wears a boar mask at the end. It is likely that when humans first began cultivating these lands, wild boars would invade the fields and feed on crops. People may have begun the practice of appeasing wild boars to protect their crops. Another deva, also covered in Kantara, is the wild primordial spirit, Guliga Daiva. Guliga is hunger itself. He enjoys playing with fire, that all-consuming element, and like fire and hunger, is very hard to control. According to Pardanas, Goddess Parvati once found a stone in the ashes of a sacred fire that had been extinguished. She brought it to Lord Shiva, who threw the stone to the ground with great force. The stone broke open and Guliga Daiva emerged, hungry and wild. Lord Vishnu then cursed this creature to take birth, perhaps as a first attempt to give him some direction. But Guliga refused to be born the regular way. He tore open his mother's belly and re-entered the universe with a hunger that couldn't be quenched. He first ate all the fish in Vishnu's lake, and then he even tried to eat the sun. They provided Guliga with animal blood, but nothing satisfied him. Finally, Lord Vishnu served him his own little finger and this act of sacrifice extinguished Guliga's eternal hunger. Traditionally, Guliga Daiva was worshipped as a small rectangular stone kept in the shade of a tree. Today, however, Guliga is accessed through shrines, metal masks and idols. He is worshipped as a guardian deity or Shetrapal in the periphery of a Devi or divine feminine temple. It is believed that Guliga absorbs energy from the sun and rain and thus generates the power to ward off any threat from the region under his authority. He is fierce, aggressive and unstoppable. This ferocity is channeled during Guliga Kola. The dancer's face is decorated in a base of black with red, white and green dotting it. 
Since Guliga Daiva loves fire, the highly energetic dance movements include pyrotechnics with burning firewood. Guliga Daiva and Panjurli Daiva often appear together. According to oral narratives, Guliga and Panjurli, both being wild primordial energies, got into a massive fight with each other. The seven Jal Durgas or goddesses of the sea had to intervene and calm them down. The goddesses helped to mediate a truce between the two great daivas. After which, Panjurli and Guliga lived as brothers with respect for each other. But not all bhutas are primordial energies. One pardana tells the story of Bobbarie, a bhuta who lived as a legendary fisherman around 500 years ago. Bobbarie was born near Goa to a Tulu-speaking Jain woman named Durgu Shetty. Durgu had been married 40 times, but on the very first night of marriage, each of her husbands would die in their sleep. Poor Durgu had no idea why this was happening. Prospective suitors became quite scared to marry her, despite her beauty and amiable personality. Durgu's brothers finally arranged a 41st wedding with a man of North African Muslim descent named Madhava Berry. On the first night after marriage, as Durgu slept, Berry got up. He bundled up some cloth into the shape of a human and placed it beside his new wife to make it look like he was the one sleeping next to her. Then Berry waited and watched. In the middle of the night, a white snake slithered out of Durgu's right nostril. It inched towards the bundle of cloth and bared its fangs, preparing to bite. The snake clamped its jaws on the cloth. Berry leaped forward, caught the snake, and killed it. But his ordeal wasn't over. A few moments later, a black snake emerged from Durgu's left nostril. This time, Berry was better prepared. He caught the snake too and killed it. The next morning, Durgu woke up and was amazed to find her new husband still alive. Berry narrated what had happened to her. Durgu was overjoyed. Her husband had freed her from the curse of the snakes. Soon after, they had a son named Bobarie. He was tall and strong. At the tender age of 6, He dug out his first boat and sailed into the sea to fish. He grew up to become one of the most successful fishermen on the Konkan coast. He built a thriving trade business that helped his entire community prosper. Bobarie finally perished in a storm at sea, pulled to the depths along with his sailors. And what of Durgu Shetty and the curse that plagued her? We just don't know. Today Bobarie is a revered figure among the Tulu speaking coastal fishermen who believe that he protects them when the seas are rough and helps bring in a bountiful catch. They say Bobarie's spirit is extremely restless. Perhaps because he traveled so much in life or because of the guilt he still carries for the death of his sailors. The dance movements of the Kola that channel him 
reflect this restlessness these are just 3 but in practice there are more than 350 kinds of bhutas or daivas talk about diversity some are nature or animal spirits like panjurli some are related to hindu gods others like boberie are the spirits of human beings ancient historical characters or heroes of the region there are even instances of mythological heroes or deities of other religions and regions being included as daivas after receiving the grace of existing daivas such as ali bhuta and arbi bhuta bhutas are also associated with specific identities there are jain daivas bant daivas and mapila daivas many daivas are female and there are also androgynous daivas like jumadi who is depicted with breasts but also a beard there are no written documents that specify the complex proceedings of the bhutakola it is the dancers or channelers of the spirits who have developed and reshaped these narratives dance movements and rituals over thousands of years from their experience and imagination the bhutakola performers don't claim to be keepers of spiritual knowledge as individual humans they play no role as moral guardians of society offering personal judgments of right or wrong they are simply the performers and preservers of an ancient art form they are conduits who use dance to manifest the daivas each daiva has their signature makeup and ritual even the movements and expressions that are performed match the energy and characteristics of the daiva performers say it is this energy of dance that allows the daivas to descend upon them the knowledge of these narratives and rituals is maintained within certain families who usually belong to scheduled castes and is passed down only to the male members performers must undergo spiritual training and observe several restrictions for their role their regimen prohibits them from eating meat or consuming alcohol and asks them to remain celibate during the ritual the young male members of the family help the dancer by carrying out errands and putting the costume and makeup on his body through such assistance young boys learn the art so that one day they can invoke the spirits themselves women of these families sing and chant the padnana but they are forbidden from channeling the spirits not even the feminine daivas so why is the bhutakola so important in tulu society how has it withstood the ravages of time for thousands of years the kola rituals and daivas have likely survived because they offer something that society desperately needs the first is a sense of balance the padanas acknowledge that human civilization is in constant conflict with the untamed forces of the natural world the forest and its wild animals threaten to destroy the agricultural way of life unless people invoke the spirits of the bhuta realm the bhutas are indicators that help maintain a balance between man and nature 
when the balance is disturbed the spirits turn malevolent but if the balance is restored the spirits are kind the bhutas are not representatives of good or evil they don't take sides between man and nature their primary aim is to maintain cosmic balance and deliver justice in society the bhutas are social and environmental regulators and this is probably also why the rituals include daivas and therefore people from all castes communities and religions the second thing that the bhutakola offers is a brief window for us to look directly upon the divine for non believers it's hard to accept that the daivas really descend into their human conduits during these rituals but perhaps even they can agree that the divine which already exists within the performer emerges in moments of intense trance by focusing our attention on the performer the audience receives a thrum of the same energy they say art is a channel to the divine the art of bhutakola is a living demonstrated example of this the bhutakola performers don't just channel the divine for themselves but in the service of their communities perhaps it tells us that any artist who generously offers his or her abilities for the benefit of others who can melt their individual ego to unite with the tune movement or character performed can channel the divine through their work thank you for listening to rumors where fact and fiction combine into magical and haunting stories i'm chandrama das collector and teller of dark tales and the creator of this podcast in collaboration with bound a company that helps you grow through stories produced by aishwarya zawlgekar and sound design by aditya arya join me every friday on this quest into the lesser known side of the subcontinent subscribe rate and review for new episodes every week sleep safe tonight Who knows what awaits in the dark? Mm-hmm.